beer sound. Hello and Take welcome to it. A Drink to the Past, the only podcast that has this logo that I totally forgot about and had stored somewhere else. It's also <laughs> backwards now because of how, how this works. So, nice. Uh, yeah. This was hand-drawn by one of our lovely fans, by which I mean my brother, who was like, hey, you have a podcast and a crudely drawn logo. Let me let me fix it for you. So here here's, here's mine. And then here's his. Let me make it slightly less crude. Yes, it uh, it works. Also, I found the very original drink sign for when I first started the Zero Dollar Productions YouTube channel, and my Zero Dollar Productions logo that I held in front of every uh, every nice. every video. Yeah. So, little trip down memory lane right there. All right. So. Uh, Today on Sean Drinks Something Stupid, Crow's going to drink something stupid instead. Wow. Excuse you? Yeah, that was I'll the bet. you. <laughs> well, hold on. It was that, a bet, I, man. No, I, I don't think that's true. Yeah, because you said you'd drink something stupid in my place or something if you didn't get it right. No. Something along those lines. Look up that tweet. Did I? Far as, it up. I think so. <laughs> All right. Anyways, um, so for Sean drinks something stupid, I have a growler. I guess it's not that stupid. Although it would maybe be stupid if I drank the entire thing. So today's beer of the week for me is from Lukey Brewing Company. It's called Monkey Business IPA, which I find quite fascinating because this is not IPA color. This is like dark red. So that could be interesting. Um, yeah. Dark the, red IPA. Yeah, I guess. That I mean, look at it. It's not normal IPA color, is it? It's not very pale at all. All right. No, I suppose not. Anyways, uh, Chris, what you drinking there? I am drinking a Big Wave Golden Ale, ah, which uh, I've bad. actually been kind of enjoying these beers. Nice. Yeah, they're... Where are they? California or... Hawaii. I'm uh, trying to remember which brewery is which. I believe they're Hawaii. I will take a look as soon as I kill this lady. Yeah. Okay, hold kill on. Kill that lady. Kill her dead. Is she dead yet? She's crawling away. She's crawling away. It's fine. That's fine. Okay. It's fine. She can't <laughs> get anywhere. Uh, I'm not... I am not sure <laughs> where they are from, based out of. Warning. Today's episode may include blood and gore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. As if, you know, morning, as many but... times as we said fuck wasn't gonna, you know, put it over Five, the age rating. Six. Mm. Seven. Are you counting how many times we say fuck, or? Uh, no, I'm counting down the seconds it takes the uh, girl to wiggle free. Huh. So, you get to ten seconds and she gets free. Mm hmm Cool. Alright, anyways, um, here's to monkey business, I suppose. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That is not bad. It's nice, malty. With still enough IPA characteristicness that I, you know, it, it, it still tastes like an IPA, but it's got enough malty backbone, a little bit of floralness. Oh. That is a good beer. This little brewery just opened up, like, literally across the street from where I work. And I keep lamenting the fact that I work at a school bus terminal and being like, I can't just go over there on my break and drink beer before I go and drive my school bus. 
No, yes. I'm afraid that's a little illegal. A like, little illegal. Some children. Yeah, yeah. Just so, a, just a But uh, after work the other just day, I was bit. like, all right, I'm going to go get a growler for the podcast. So, yeah. Um, check them out if you're in the Colorado okay. area. Opened up in okay. West Arvada. Okay, I found it. So, the initial tweet was, if hmm. I'm uh, from you... If you're right, you can come on the podcast and I'll drink a combination of any five ingredients of your choice, as right. long as two of them are alcohol. Yeah. Um, to which I found it, and then you later replied, uh, sweet, you want to come on this this week and drink something stupid? To which I replied, I'm always up for stupid. So, it's up to interpretation, I guess. But after my first what... tweet, I thought you replied something like, maybe I can drink something stupid instead of Sean drink something stupid. Something like that. That was in there somewhere in a different tweet. Uh, I mean, okay, uh, no, here, uh, the bottom one was, uh, throw in some free endorsements slash plugs each remaining week of 2020. You've got yourself a deal. If I'm wrong, we can do crow drink something stupid to mix things up a bit. Okay. There you go. See, crow <laughs> drink something stupid. Yeah. But was I wrong? I got the price of the PS five, right? Hmm. Or uh, rather the series X. Yes. Yes. Which we'll get into in our news and booze. So shall we get into our news and booze as long as we're on there? Uh, well, just, wait, what beer are you drinking? <laughs> Let's start with that. Cause that's part of the <laughs> yeah. booze part. Uh, so I'm actually drinking just a simple mix of uh, orange juice and some cit- uh, citrus triple sec. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. It's like so a screwdriver, but slightly more orangey. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, we can let we can let your fans uh, vote on it, I guess. So tweet at us, and you yeah. can decide which of us drink something stupid or both. I guess we can both just do something stupid. I'll drink to that. <laughs> as a lot. And I'm gonna go check on my pizza. Means we have to drink. All right. So as long as he's checking out his pizza, I'll tell him we can sneak in the piece of news that I'm sure you're most excited about, Chris. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World The Game Complete Edition has been announced for Switch, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. Oh, uh, that's okay, I guess. I'm just kidding. I'm really fucking excited. <laughs> I was like, dude, what? Are you Are you Chris? Are you not Chris I, has a boner for Scott Pilgrim anything, Audette? I, I am so happy that this brawler is getting remade because it deserves to get remade because yeah. it's a pretty good damn brawler. Yeah, it's one of the most fun just co-op beat-em-up games that there has ever been and uh, the complete edition comes with all the DLC so I think you get to play as Knives Chow as well and somebody else uh, there was another DLC character I forget but it's like all included so I think that's pretty cool I think it's really weird that they bothered um, going on Stadia. Like, why? Uh, I don't know, because they had to round it out somehow. <laughs> right? Maybe Stadia paid them. Google's just giving them some money to be like, please be on our please. platform, we need something. Please support our, uh... Because, like, I'm pretty our... sure the last big Not game... Not that great that's... service... Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the last big game that they got was Doom Eternal. And I'm pretty sure that was the first big game they got. Like they like none of the other ones are like necessarily bad, but it's just like who even cares? And then yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never played the game, so I don't. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, so it's really good. If it has online co-op, we should get on or something. That might be fun for a stream one day when we're on the podcast. And next piece of news and booze is another remake is Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, coming January 2021 for Xbox One, PS4, and PC. I'm a little surprised it's not coming to Switch. This game originally was on Xbox, PS2, and GameCube, so I'm a little surprised to not see a Switch. But, uh, you know, it's stuff happens. Delayed. That's possible. You know, everybody likes doing the whole thing where they're like, oh, yeah, let's release it on all the modern consoles uh except switch and then release it on switch six months later for extra sales right feel like activision has done that like with everything they've done recently <clears throat> spyro and crash and now there's like leaked uh internal code that like pretty much confirms there's a switch port of the tony hawk games in the works it's like mm. i'm on to you so uh either you play the original prince of persia sands of time uh the original sands of time no i haven't what's funny is i played all the some a lot of the other prince of persia's uh-huh. uh like the first prince of persia and the god-awful prince of persia 3d Sure, we all remember that one. Was that the like the twenty twelve one or something? Uh, fairly modern. No, After that was the, the one that came out in the Dreamcast era of all times. I did not know there was one of those. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was not great. Sand of Time was definitely the definitive. Yeah, because I I played the original one. Um briefly after Sands of Time came out. Sands of Time was the first one I played, and then I played the original briefly on an emulator. Uh, and that was most of it. And then I, I really got into uh, the Prince of Persia series with uh, that trilogy, though, with Warrior Within and the, the third one. I thought they were all really cool. Although the other ones were, like, totally different because Sands of Time was totally, like, 90% puzzle-solvey stuff. And uh, Warrior Within was, like, way harder on just combat. Um, but they were they were all pretty good games. I liked them all. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and then they did a reboot uh, after that trilogy, and that's the one I was thinking of. Uh, oh, the was, one where you were just immortal? You couldn't die at all? Yeah, you couldn't die at all. And it's like, what's even the point? Why am I playing this game? <laughs> so, all right. Well, speaking of Xbox Series S, we were talking about that. Uh, Series S has been officially confirmed by the Xbox Twitter. Um, and as well, they revealed the Series S and Series X prices. So they're going to be $299 and $499 respectively, both coming out November 10th. Um, and in addition to that, they are also making a two-year financing option. And this is kind of interesting, I think, because it's $24.99 a month for two years for Series S or $34.99 a month for two years for Series X. So basically, it's just chunking out your payments into a little payment schedule. And if you do it that way, then you get two years of Game Pass for free, basically. You're paying the same amount for the hardware over the two years, but you have Game Pass for the entire time, and it's the Game Pass Ultimate. So 
if you're subscribed to this and paying off your Xbox one month at a time, then you also get all of the Xbox Game Pass games on your Xbox, PC, and uh, cloud streaming to Android. So uh, what do you guys think about all that, about the the pricing just being a little different and the multi-models and where do you guys stand? What are they doing? Selling smartphones here? That's yeah. just kind of... I'm like... I, I, I'm like... I'm kind of happy that they're doing like a more affordable option, but mm -hmm. it weirds me out. It makes me feel like we're moving just that much further into a dystopia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I kind of get that, but at the same time, it's, like, super consumer-friendly, because, like, if you're already subscribed to Xbox Game Pass, then it's not that much more to also get brand-new hardware. Uh, and if you're interested in Xbox Game Pass, then it's not that much more to get brand-new hardware. Or if you're interested in the hardware, then it's free Game Pass. Why would you pass that up? So, it's really incentivizing me like i'm i'm suddenly like i went from xbox is nowhere near my radar to xbox is suddenly on my radar now because mm. the series s is like pretty affordable at only 25 bucks a month basically and then it comes with the game pass that i'm already making pretty good use of on pc but there's even more games uh on xbox so i'll have shitloads of games even more shitloads than I already do from, you know, Xbox Game Pass for PC. Yeah. Uh. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of a lot of my dislike of it, I th would probably just chalk up to like a gut feeling, not not anything, you know, reasonable or articulable. Right. I'm concerned about the business aspect of it, like. How do you hold people accountable for it if you're giving them the console and Game Pass before it's all paid off? Um, like, what's to stop them from, you know, pay the initial 25 bucks to get it and just never pay it again and make off with, you know, a $300 console? I'm sure there's going to be, you know, something in the contract or something, and then they're going to be able to, you know, because, I mean, it's it's effectively the same thing as, like Chris said, smartphones are doing. Uh, that's mm. how they're monetized through Verizon or wherever, you know, even through Best Buy, if you go there, uh, they're monetized the same way. It's part of your phone plan. You pay uh, for, you pay the contract or you sign the contract that you will pay this for this many months at this rate, whatever. And then uh, I don't know what happens if you don't pay that because I always pay my phone bill. But I imagine that, you know, this giant corporation will send all of its lawyers that are much fancier than mine down at my throat. And, you know, they'll they'll beat me up and take my wallet. Uh, they'll, they'll send you to collections. And debt collectors are not friendly <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah, I don't know how debt collections work. I know that at least with the smartphones, they can completely brick it. Um so that it just doesn't function and you just essentially have a useless piece of plastic. Uh -huh. uh, but that's not the same case with uh, Xbox. Like, they can't lock it out. You can still do games even if you can't connect to the internet. And mm -hmm. I mean, unlike a smartphone, which costs, like, maybe 50 to to 100 bucks to produce, this is a $470 production bill. So... Right. It's, uh... And part of it's like I'm concerned because GameStop is also going to be 
uh, getting in on that where people can opt in for the payment plans through mm. us. So I'm worried, like, how is that going to affect our business model? I gotta, I gotta think about the profits of my store, man. And if yeah. I'm only getting twenty-five bucks for a five hundred dollar console, fuck right. that. Yeah. I mean, I guess theoretically, in the long run, it should be okay. But you know, on on your storefront, uh, yeah, I, I guess I never. I mean, I kind of thought about it because supposedly it should be available this way through Best Buy, GameStop, and wherever else you go mm. for the most part you buy an xbox this sounds like the way that a lot of people are going to be buying them so um yeah it's I, a consumer friendly and business like corporation friendly plan that steps on the little guy in the middle yeah so that the little guy being gamestop right little guy being me and my team yeah yeah sorry not gamestop the <laughs> Right. We don't the care game... about GameStop. About about the people who would be negatively impact, uh, impacted if GameStop were stopped getting run yeah, ga the way it is. GameStop corporate is fine. They they gain sustenance from the blood that seeps out of us and we get stuck like pigs. Yeah. I'm sorry, is that too graphic? No, we're uh, playing no, no. Daylight. We're fine. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm playing I'm throwing up on people that because I feel like it, so you know <laughs> You know. How you do. I mean, some of them might like it. Probably, you know. Everybody's There's got a, a kink. It, There's a reason they call this character Bommy Mommy. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, another Xbox uh, piece of news and booze. Xbox Game Pass is merging with EA Play. So this holiday, EA will add 60 new games to the service for PC and Xbox, which I'm kind of excited about. If for another no other reason than I get to play all the Star Wars shit that I've been missing out on, because <laughs> EA won't fucking put it on Switch. Dickheads. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't so know I'm what like, EA's beef is with Nintendo. Right? Like, yeah, they it, won't put anything on the Switch. Yeah, it's it's fucking stupid. I'm like, because they're like the they've been putting FIFA on. Although the first FIFA game they put on was like a worse port that they like stripped down and just made the crappiest fifa they possibly could and put it on switch and then it didn't sell well and they were like oh our games don't sell well on switch and it's like well no shit when you do that <laughs> right yeah, i guess fifa 21 is coming to switch so okay i guess ea is not completely cockblocked yeah but at that point it's like i feel like as a nintendo user i don't want to buy fifa anymore even if i was interested in it i wouldn't want to buy fifa anymore because of you know that kind of bullshit uh you know treatment i'm like no you I mean, tried this shit i don't want to give you money I mean, I want to give you money if you, you know, I feel like you put like Jedi Fallen Order on there and, and, and people will fucking buy the fuck out of that, right? FIFA people don't want to give anyone money. Yeah. I don't know. The last FIFA, FIFA I played was FIFA World Cup 1998. The, wow. <laughs> the, the people who are regular FIFA players, they like, <laughs> they're the biggest cheap asses I know. <laughs> I'm yeah. not at work, so I can talk about this. I have very strong feelings about FIFA people. <laughs> nice. 
But yeah, other than that, it sounds like it's not going to be I bad because uh, getting a bunch of EA games on Xbox Game Pass, like, yeah. sure, why not, right? Means I can just play Madden whenever. Yeah. All right. Uh, and we are joined by a wild Nick, which reminds me that I have forgotten to introduce any of us. So, of course, I am your host, Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, and this is my glorious co-host, Chris, is barfing on people for fun Audette, and our regular recurring guest, Crow. And, of course, Nick is here now. Since I forgot to introduce us, we all have to drink, even if my drink sign is backwards in the, in the, in the thing. Hmm. That's Nick may or may not talk until we get into the table topic, because uh, that's what he's here for. Oh, hi, Nick. Anyway, um, Twitter user at Foon has got Doom to run on a 128 by 32 pixel display, which is inside of a fucking pregnancy test. What? Doom runs yeah. on everything. Including pregnancy tests? Including pregnancy tests. This this, this dude, has, it's, it's like a black and white, just like it says, 128 by 32 pixels, and they're all black and white, and just watching the video of him playing Doom on this is hilarious. It's like, you can't really tell what's going on, but by God, this shit's running Doom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is amazing. So check out at Foon, F-O-O-N-E. And uh, check that out. First, he posted, like, a little video of just him getting it to display a video of Doom. And then he was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this happen. Hold on. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> so, yeah. You guys want to play Doom on a pregnancy test? Play it everywhere right. else. Now, uh, I saw this. I'm like, okay, I guess I, we can go I, for I, round three. That is three, the last wife. place I want to play Doom. <laughs> They need to get Skyrim. But you on do that. still want to play it there. Or Resident Evil 4. Uh it's not <laughs> ideal, I guess is what I would say. But if you had no other place to play Doom, would you play it on a pregnancy test? Uh maybe? <laughs> I give it like ten percent odds. Okay. How did you lose him? I do it once for the novelty and then never again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see that. That sounds fair to me. Like, I, I get that. All right. Next piece of news and booze, No More Heroes 3 is delayed. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like most of us saw this coming when they didn't say shit about it for, like, nine months and COVID happened. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much um, uh, Goichi Suda from Grasshopper Studios, the director of the game, and um, just came out on Twitter and said... Yeah, guys, it's fucked up. Because uh, COVID happened. So we're not getting No More Heroes 3 until 2021, which is sad. How unfortunate. <clears throat> Anybody else care about No More Heroes but me? No, Mary. Then I have to drink. <sighs> mm, beer. Uh, what do you rate that beer there, Chris? I haven't rated any beers. Uh, it's a 13. It's nice and refreshing. All right. Taint bad. Yeah, this uh, beer has an interesting kind of a, not quite an aftertaste, but an afterfeel on my tongue, uh, which I, I always get when I eat carrots, and I don't know exactly how to describe it. Mm. It's a little weird. 
but um, still very tasty. Um, I'll go with a 13 as well. Crow, what do you give your, uh, what was it, orange juice triple and cointro? Oh, triple sec. Triple. Yeah. As an alcohol goes, I'll give it a 10. I mean, it really just tastes orange juice. All right. Can't go wrong with that. Put a little toothpaste in there. <laughs> Last piece of news and booze is, uh, in my opinion, the biggest and most exciting fucking thing to happen. Uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity was revealed. It's a Hyrule Warriors game that uh, shows the battles leading up to the Calamity 100 years before Breath of the Wild. So, it's a fucking canon Hyrule Warriors game that, like, the oh, yeah. actual developers from Nintendo are working side-by-side -side with Koei Tecmo to make the script happen correctly and everything. I am fucking stoked about this. This is amazing. And more info is coming on this. They're going to have a 50-minute stream on uh, the 26th of September. Uh, the game releases November 20th. So this is just another uh, in Nintendo's long stream of just random, like, hey, here's an announcement. This shit's coming out in a month or two. Right. <laughs> and... This, to me, is, like, the coolest fucking thing they've said all year. I'm just, like, sitting here looking at all the other stuff they've, like, announced, and I'm just like, eh, it looks okay, it looks fun, sure, I'll get Paper Mario, whatever, but now I'm just like, oh my fuck, I need it now. <laughs> you guys big Hyrule Warriors people? Yeah. Well, I never played the first one, but I'm thinking I'm gonna pick this one up. Have you played any of I the, would. um... Warriors games, Chris? Um, I have not. Hmm, hmm. Yeah, it's not a bad series anyways. It's been been around for a long-ass time. Uh, what were you saying, Crow? Highly recommended. Yeah, um, out of all of the Dynasty Warriors games and spin-offs and things, my favorite is Hyrule Warriors. Um, also like Fire Emblem Warriors okay, but the story seemed just a little too janky and the characters were not from as diverse a pool of games as the Zelda one because in in Hyrule Warriors you have like just almost the entire series represented in some way or another there's bosses from these you know this game if there's not a playable character there's tons of playable characters and in Fire Emblem Warriors it's like you get a pretty good amount of playable characters but they're pretty much all from Fire Emblem Fates and Fire Emblem Awakening. And I'm like, it's not bad, but like, where the fuck is Ike? So just the 3D, just, just the 3DS games. Just, just those two. Largely. There's, there's a couple, Marth, like there's They're like Marth. Lindis is in there. I think Marth might've been in there. Uh, I think it's funny. Yeah, I forget uh, all the characters in that game, but but yeah, it was like most of them were from the 3DS games, and there was a few from outside of there. Hyrule Warriors and Fire Emblem Warriors both did infinitely better than Dynasty Warriors 9 did. I mean, Hyrule Warriors got a sequel, so that it says a lot, Right. but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just scrapped the Fire Emblem Warriors, or rather, the, the Dynasty Warriors franchise, and just start making, you know... X game warriors as their new thing. Right. I mean, they've and been doing this for quite a while too cuz they've done a ton of spin-offs now. They did the uh Persona 5 Scramble. Um they did actually back on PS3, they did a Gundam one. 
So huh. this is not necessarily a new thing, but I feel like specifically with the Zelda and Fire Emblem ones, they, they just kind of exploded. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, they're pretty fan service-y, but in a, in a good way. Like, I like them. <laughs> okay, that one made me laugh. <laughs> All yeah, right. Climbed in the window. Uh, so what do you think about this uh, being like, it pretty much sounds like the first time Nintendo has ever given a third-party studio the reins to make an actual canon game in one of their, uh, you know, well-beloved universes. I mean, what about uh, Minish Cap and the Oracle games? Those are third-party in canon. Shh. You have to drink for that. I, I do. Uh, so <laughs> you so love I, those games too. I do, and I you fucking forgot. Love it. It's, What's wrong with you? Well, I think I said what I meant, or, or I didn't quite say what I meant. So it's it's not that it's it's, it's that it's a spinoff is what makes this one different. Uh, that it's it's not they're not making a Zelda game. They're making a spinoff Zelda game that is canon. So I just hope that was just me misspeaking. Just, just, just saying what I was thinking yeah. badly, which I just I'll hope, still drink for. I hope this means that Cadence of Hyrule will become like get added into the canon fold. That game deserves it. That'd be sweet. Um, I'm still stoked about all the DLC coming out for that. There was a new trailer for that as well, but I didn't think it was all that. It's like it, it's just a couple of teases for what's coming. Uh, it's like, okay, so this Skulty Kid DLC looks pretty cool, but... I'll be right back. All right. So, uh, yeah, what do you think about this, Chris? Um, is it interesting that a spinoff is actually going to be added to the canon? Uh, it's a little interesting. I, I always... Spinoff is a funny thing. Because mm -hmm. it's not the first time they've trusted a third-party developer with a main source game. Right. Yeah, because like Crow was saying, obviously the Capcom developed ones were, were pretty big, but uh, at the same time, it's like here's a, a game that's literally not even close to the same in uh, the way that you play it, but it it's actually, like, I still think it's kind of cool uh, the way that they went about this, because actually it was A.G. Aonuma went to Koei Tecmo, and he pretty much said, like, hey, can you guys make a war game where we show this war of the calamity? And they were like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so that's more or less how this started, and I think that's just kind of cool. Anyways, I'm a fucking over the moon for this shit, so shall we get into our video game topic unless nick has anything to say just sitting there in the corner nope all right <laughs> not a thing yeah so our video game topic for the day is games with tons of enemies or games with less enemies because more or less coming basically spinning right off of this um, topic of 
Hyrule Warriors and Dynasty Warriors in general, um, one of the things that they said um, in the trailer that revealed this was it's got classic one versus 1,000 Dynasty Warriors combat. And I was like, that's a great way of putting that because that's literally what it fucking is. It's, it's you just mowing down tons and tons of enemies with some bigger ones here and there and a boss every now and then. And it's fucking awesome. But it's very differently awesome from other kinds of things like... Um, Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, Shadow of the Colossus is a great example where it's you, you versus one giant fucker. Barf on him. Oh, nope. You smacked him with your lantern doohickey. What, they, what the hell is that? It's a, that is a lantern. It's actually a sensor, I think. Huh. Neat. Smoke shit. Meat hook that bitch. Thank okay. you. Little <laughs> sailor boy. So yeah, um, so do you think that one is necessarily better than the other? Or uh, do you think, because I, I, I feel like generally when we have this sort of topic, we eventually come to, yeah, they all have their own merits. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what, what are the kind of things that you like from larger scale enemies, like in uh, larger scales of enemies, like in beat-em-ups versus 1v1 kind of stuff or 1v a handful kind of stuff? Um, I think the idea that the threat of being overwhelmed by the numbers definitely adds to a bit of tension and challenge. Uh -huh. um, so if there's, like, if it's done well and you have, you know, hordes of enemies, that can become very problematic for you. Mm -hmm. And in turn, be pretty fun. Um, but in the case of Dynasty Warriors, I mean, obviously it's hundreds of thousands of enemies, mm. but it's enemies that nine times out of ten won't actually take a swing at you, and will ten times out of ten not try to get out of the way of the attack. Like, <laughs> yeah. their, their AI is not good. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you get a little bit of that sort of tension like you were talking about, because, um... Mm -hmm. When you're fighting all these guys, they probably won't attack you. Even if they do, they do minimal damage. But uh, they kind of come through and, like, wreck the shit out of your bases. Because, like you said, the AI is crap. So that also goes doubly for your ally AI. So mm. uh, one of the kind of interesting things from that is you have to be paying attention to all these thousands of enemies in Dynasty Warriors of, uh, like, okay, which base are they going to attack next, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you can, you know, go back there or swap characters if you need to, depending on which game you're playing, uh, you know, so you can somehow get back to the place that needs defending at that time. Yeah. But see, that that's where part of my problem with Dynasty Warriors comes in. Is it, a lot of times that can just lead to it feeling like you're just babysitting. Mm -hmm. You gotta run to this base, like, oh no, they're being overwhelmed while there's, like, three guys. And then, you know, you go and deal with that, and then, oh no, our base is being overwhelmed. Like, yeah. Fine, I just want to go mow down guys, but whatever. Right, yeah, um, sometimes that's how that works. But, uh... Yeah, so, just... uh, would you prefer more this style of 1 versus 1,000, or more the style of, like, Left for Dead's 1 versus 1,000, where you've got, like... You know, uh, I like just Left a handful of better. big enemies, and then mm -hmm. uh, you know different 
triggers that'll set off like just giant swarms like obviously the boomer barfs on you or explodes on you you get a giant swarm after you the, uh, mm-hmm. the witch screams and, and a horde comes with it stuff like that yeah I like the the Leopard Dead style better because at least mm-hmm. with the enemies there you know there's there's variance and there's threat and you know there, there's more strategy to it than just you know mindless button mash right um, there, there's there's just more to the gameplay. Hmm. Yeah, I kind of think so. Um, so what about 1v1 combat? Do you like that better? Like Chris was saying, Shadow of the Colossus style, where you're fighting some kind of giant-ass boss all the time. Or, hmm. um, on the other hand, you could look at, like, fighting games. Uh, are, are kind of 1v1, where it's like you versus somebody that you should theoretically be evenly matched for, so sometimes when you get a, a really close match, they can be uh, just a really kind of unique experience. Yeah, Not necessarily, like, it doesn't have to be a fighting game, but fighting games are good for that, I think. Yeah. Definitely in that style, the, uh, um, you know, it's there's some back and forth, some give and take. Because um, Shadow of the Colossus, it's 1v1, but honestly, I think of it more like a puzzle game than anything. Uh, trying yeah, to figure out how to uh, how to get through it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the fighting game is a good analogy. Um, mm-hmm. Games like the Soulsborne games are also really good as far as 1v1 goes. Mm-hmm. So how about this uh, Dead by Daylight? It seems to be like Chris kind is one versus... Yeah. <laughs> Not quite uh, a thousand, but uh, it's also kind of interesting because it's a, a multiplayer kind of version of that. So this is more like kind of an in-between asymmetric multiplayer and it doesn't help that the survivors mm-hmm. can't really fight back like they can do all sorts of tricks as you probably just saw but uh they mm-hmm. can't really they can't put chris on a hook yeah as hilarious as that would be that mm-hmm. right that like if they could all four gang up on you or something because it's it's 1v4 right yeah it's right. 1v4 right so that's, that's actually kind of like how Left 4 Dead is. Uh, although, although Left 4 Dead is 4v4. But yeah. Uh, well, Left 4 Dead is it has the 4v4 with the special infected, I guess. Yeah. But, I, I think, guess it depends on how you play it, too, because obviously you can just play that game as a single player, at which point it's basically a 1v1000. Uh, yeah. Or a 4v4 plus 1000. <laughs> uh, have we brought up Battle Royales yet? Uh, no, we have not. So that's another kind of an interesting, uh, you know, dynamic for, you know, because it is all online multiplayer, and depending on it, it is either 1v1000, 99 basically or uh 50 v 50 which either one of those is still just a really kind of a unique game type no matter which way you slice it you know you could not like battle royales or whatever but you know it's Mm. it's 
I think it's a cool concept at the very least, and it it definitely unlocks unique gameplay potential, which is not there otherwise. I don't have a lot of experience with Battle Royales, though. The only one I've ever played is Fortnite, and that was pretty briefly. I didn't really get into it. It was like, it was kind of fun. It was unique. Um, I came in first place my very first time. Huh. And Which is funny, because I have not been able to do that in, like, over 100 games, I would say. Wow. <laughs> with the uh, Tetris 99. Yeah, uh, Tetris 99 was going to be the other one. I, I also came first in that my first time, and I was like, wow, I must be great at the first time I ever play a Battle Royale. I was like, <laughs> and and then I never even came close again. Like, I don't think I ever finished in the top, like, 15 again. Hey, do like, you want to play Modern Warfare with me? Do a round in Warzone? Maybe. I could use a free win. Mm -hmm. That could work. <laughs> I'll try it. I'll, I'll download it again. I, I uh, kind of tweaked my PC, so now I've got uh, my old hard drive is also installed with my SSD, so I've got like 250 extra gigs of space. Woohoo! Although currently that's, you know, chock full of uh, whatever I thought sounded interesting on Xbox at the time, because I, I haven't played a Gears of War game in a while, so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll check out Gears 5, see if that's good. Mm-hmm. So, apparently I skipped four. It'll probably be okay. All right. Um, uh, so, what do you what do you guys think about uh, of fighting games for this? Because um, I, I think that's a kind of an interesting way to go for it. Because it's, it's really its own kind of thing that, you know, obviously, like, it's still sort of the same as, like, in Halo, where it's, like, one-on-one -on -one more or less in in chunks it's just one-on-one -on -one over and over and over again in halo you know sometimes one on two or three you'll find a few elites at the same time and and everybody else is just trash mobs right um uh, yeah but in in a fighting game it, it really is like just one-on-one -on -one, uh most of the time you know some obviously you can get smash brothers so it's like eight ways or whatever but in general like one-on-one -on -one is the traditional quote-unquote correct way to play a fighting game or whatever. Um, so, I think fighting games are, or fighting games are interesting in that they have because it's just a one-on-one -on -one and usually one character versus one character, you have all of your attention focused into what the other person is doing and what you're doing. Uh, so, behavior can get much more complex. Yeah, there, you have a lot more options for what you can do with them, mm -hmm. whereas in a game where you're like versus a horde, uh, like Left 4 Dead, uh, the behavior of enemies is very simple and pretty predictable, and it yeah. kind of has to be. Right. And then your behavior as a player is pretty much just shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I think it all comes down to preference of gameplay style like right. i prefer games that give me a challenge like you know soul sports games mm -hmm. and you know harder zelda games and things that test your skill and push your wits and make you stressed at times that is more interesting to me than button mashing your point and click adventures or you know things like that so that's why horde games like dark or uh the Dynasty Warriors series don't always do it for me. Mm -hmm. 
Excuse me, did you just, uh, did you just claim fighting games are button mashers? Some are. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it's fair. It's like, <laughs> especially with like Soul Calibur. Also, we gotta admit, Soul Cal 6, the, uh, nunchucks are just an insta win every time. Hmm. I haven't played Soul Calibur 6. I've played up until then. Give yourself the nunchucks and you're gonna win no matter what. Hmm. They're super overpowered. I wanted to get 6. 6 was like really awkwardly uh, advertised so I didn't even hmm. realize it came out. Like I, I remember seeing like an announcement and then I watched some gameplay on some YouTube channel or another and then I didn't hear about it for months and then it was like maybe a couple of months ago I was like oh that came out I should have got that <laughs> but I had no idea when it was coming out or that mm. it did in fact come out and I was like eh. lame I think I've spent more time in the character creator than I have uh, actually fighting. Mm -hmm. I remember spending a decent amount of time in the character creator because there was a lot of cause cool stuff you could do in uh, Soul Calibur 4 uh, mm -hmm. in the character creator. Um, I didn't use it a ton in 5 because um, I, I just didn't play as much 5. I got it and I, I played through the story mode and I was like, wow, that was bad for a fighting game. <laughs> and uh, But uh, but the, the mechanics were fun and I played a little bit of just you know multiplayer with my buddies and my wife uh. and stuff and uh but didn't get into it nearly as much as i did with four because four i played with my brothers a whole ton um and then and the, the soul caliber game i played the most was two way back when uh and so and i figured out that one's just great i figured out why my drink just tastes like orange juice is it just orange the drinks juice? The drinks did not mix, so all the triple sec just settled at the bottom. <laughs> so I just got a mouthful of just, like, almost straight alcohol with a hint of citrus. Ooh. I wasn't ready for that. That's hilarious. Everybody drinking along at home, drink with Crow. Mm. Or drink to Crow and his, uh, yeah, you know. I'm, it's not very high in alcohol content. Right. I just wasn't ready for that. <laughs> my mug of the week is my 1987 Colorado Renaissance Festival mug. I like these... They're just like stoneware mugs that they put at the Renaissance Festival every year, and I never buy one because they're too expensive, but sometimes they end up at the thrift store 20 years later. All right, is there any kind of uh, thing regarding this topic that we've sort of missed? Because I feel like there's we could go over like every individual middle ground like obviously zelda is a middle ground where you have some one-on-one -on -one when you're fighting bosses you have some one on you know not a thousand but you have some larger things when you're going through gauntlet challenges and stuff like that and some enemies just up here in the dozens like when you're going in a choo-choo cave or whatever mm -hmm. uh so i feel like we could nitpick all of the in-betweens uh and i don't feel like we need to unless there is any really standout ones that you guys feel are unique not really we we should come to the consensus what, what's better one-on-one -on -one or one on a thousand uh both neither <laughs> beer Any of the above yeah, beer. beer 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 is the answer but i've forgotten the question 
as you do. Yes. Um. Yeah, I. I, I don't really know how to answer this because that's <laughs> like I said at the start when I was introducing this topic. Usually, we just kind of end up being like, "Yeah, they're they're both, you know, equally valid. Either they both good. have their their merits." Because we're just so like, neither of us pick a side on shit. <laughs> um, if I had to choose between the two, I'd go with one on one. Yeah, I feel like in general I like one-on-one scenarios better than I like one-on-one 1,000 scenarios, but that's not always the case. Mm. <clears throat> you might be asking yourself, how did he know she was in there? You might be. Unless you're listening to the audio version, in which case check us out on YouTube. <laughs> audio version yeah alright so uh, shall we move on to our table topic shall we we shall surely table topic today is ways to make large scale battles in systems not necessarily suited for it or uh Maybe in general, just ways to you know kind of work out not large scale battles in tabletops because, um, like some systems are specifically designed for large scale battles, but I feel like I don't want to do a large scale battle every time I play a tabletop, right? So I've never got into any of those kind of like war game systems. So, um, have you ever done much of those, Chris? Like Warhammer or anything like that? Uh, I used to have a bunch of Warhammer minis. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play? Uh, I played a bit. I never actually had the opportunity to play with my minis. I always oh. got to play exhibition matches in the store. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, the game... Warhammer is a very different game than, say, D&D, which... Captain Obvious here, but uh, it's kind of hard to approximate how you would do that in a... Hold on. <laughs> Come... There we go! He's hunting. I'm hunting. Uh, <laughs> so, I have run mass combats in D&D before, and I've ended up using pretty much a different system every time. Mm -hmm. Nick's here. And, uh, Nick, Nick has some interesting things to say on this topic. So what is the topic? I literally just turned got back. <laughs> Hello. Nick doesn't know the yep. topic. We have to drink. Hello. Hi. So, Nick, um, our table topic today is about making large-scale battles in systems not necessarily suited for it, because I don't want to bust out Warhammer every time I have a large-scale battle, and I also don't want to play Warhammer regularly because I don't want a large-scale battle every time I play. In systems not suited for it, uh, such as? D&D. &D. Maybe not necessarily not oh. suited for it, but not design Built for it because there's okay. yeah because like obviously no version of D, D has ever been like made to efficiently run a scenario a of place. two like large war parties of a thousand people versus each other or whatever so yeah 
How do Even you make that work if it needs to for some story reason in your campaign? Well, um... Oh god, I misplaced the note we took. I don't remember. Oh well. So, that has actually been an item of some debate and research over in Five Cataclysms land. So basically, the most fundamental part of a solution for that problem is if you have a ton of things on the field, you don't want to track each entity's hit points individually. It makes it much simpler if you group them up into what I like to call units. So mm -hmm. think like Rome Total War, everything's like a unit. So what you do, in essence, is you pull the hit points of everything in the unit-ish, you give them all a combined attack roll, it gives a combined damage roll, so, for instance, um, and I'm just pulling numbers out of my butt here because I don't have it in front of me, but a unit of light infantry would attack with, like, a plus 10 or something and deal 10 damage or something like that. Mm -hmm. That way you don't have to worry about them all individually. And if that unit takes damage, uh, even if it takes, like, 30 damage out of its 50 hit points, it's still up, it's still kicking. Mm -hmm. uh, in those instances, I have them roll morale to see if they flee, if they go below half hit points. But mm -hmm. the damage a unit receives and they can retreat, that's kind of them splitting the damage. That's them having like a medic on hand, first aid, them carrying their fallen, that sort of deal, just to remain cohesive. Because mm -hmm. when they attack, not all of them are attacking at once. So if there's 10 guys and they succeed their attack roll and they only deal 10 damage, that's much less than if than if all 10 guys hit, that would be dealing 35, at least. Technically. Right. There's a mechanic similar to that in uh, 3.5 uh, called Horde Monsters, where basically you have, uh, you know, instead of, you know, individually rolling 10 kobolds, you have a horde of 10 kobolds. Or, or yeah. swarm. Swarm is what it's called, not horde. So you swarm. Have, yeah, so you have a swarm of kobolds, and it's it's got the hit points of 10 kobolds, um, but it, it all rolls one attack roll for most of its stuff. Uh, it's got one pool of hit points, and just when you, you know... Uh, yeah. When you get through, like, if it's a swarm of four creatures or whatever, then when you get through a quarter of the hit points, you just say, okay, one of them dies or whatever. But it well, still technically works as a swarm. And that that's more just a flavor thing. You, I don't think that's really necessary. Yeah. Uh, and it, that depends on the DM, because some DMs will be like, ah, whatever, it's dead when it's dead. <laughs> yeah, so the re Units are mostly meant for situations where there's, like, an army of hundreds of dudes, so maybe they have, uh -huh. like, 20 to 50 of these units on the right. field. That 20 to 50 is already a lot of shit to keep track of. Mm -hmm. But interesting thing about units is once you get the hang of them, you can kind of make your own. It doesn't matter how big the battles are. If there's 100,000 things, you just increase the scale of the battlefield and the size of the units, and you can just still roll it that way. Okay. That's a... Uh... Interesting concept. Um, so, another thing that I've done in some, particularly in D and D, uh, is at higher levels when you're coming up to large scale wars. It's like your side versus the other side, and if you're a clever power gamer, then in a lot of cases, uh, you can probably come up with some sort of clever ass plan to literally take out, you know. 500 you know some just crazy number of you know two hit die soldiers in a single round right so mm. do you think um 
doing these unit versus unit versus you know or and and grouping them up like that is a better or more effective way of handling it than heroes versus shitloads of small guys oh yeah your heroes are totally on the field um in fact i have rules for embedding in front of me here so basically a hero let's say there's a unit of 10 light infantry and your big ass or i'm sorry your badass fighter comes onto the field in uh old editions like this one a fighter gets a bonus attack against one hit die creatures up to mm -hmm. their level so a 21st level fighter would get up to 21 attacks against first or one hit die creatures okay so if that fighter walks up to a unit of 10 dudes, in one round, he can just carve through it. He can theoretically carve through two units of 10 dudes, but they might be too spaced out for him to cover the ground. Right. So your champions on the field are totally valid. Same goes for spellcasters. Like, if they're casting a spell, they have rules here where they can embed with a unit, and that unit can be designated to essentially turtling to protect that caster. They can't perform any other action. They can't move, but any damage done to that area will hit the unit before it hits the caster. And of course, your casters are going to cast spells like Fireball and Lightning Bolt that can just blow away entire units in one spell. Right. But if the enemy has like 20 units, your Fireball wiping out one unit isn't as game-changing. Right. Uh, Crow, Chris, what do you think about these uh, things we've been going over I have no experience with this. I am strictly listening and learning as a new DM. This is this is good insight for me. So Nick and I have actually been over this particular thing before as a uh, interesting uh, as a way of go building this system. We we've had several discussions like this, so Nick is summing up a lot of what we talked about. Mm -hmm. Should have been there when our game turn order mass combat figured out. It was mm -hmm. ridiculous. We changed it at least 20 times. <laughs> but really looking forward to actually hosting mass combat. We'd be there by now if coronavirus hadn't been a thing. Yeah. But uh, Dick, the key is I making sure people have roles in the mass combat. And I think what I want to do with my game to make sure individual people are still involved is you don't just have an army you're commanding because that's unwieldy and weird and you're going to be like, okay, how does, this, how does this stuff work and then you never touch it again? No, I want my players to train and customize their own units. So, like, this is the fighter's army. This is the magic user's army. This is the paladin's personal army. And those personal armies all form your entire army. Plus, your champions are there, too, in your characters. So do you think that kind of thing should be micromanaged, uh, like, all the time? Micromanaged by the DM? Uh, by the DM or the player who's, uh, you know, making the army. Uh, if, if you get into this scenario, should you make your players uh, micromanage their uh, individual armies or units or what have you? If it's a scenario that just pops up and you're like, oh shit, the town's under siege and now you guys are commanding the town's forces, you can just kind of chuck them at the table and mm -hmm. whoever's interested in commanding them will take up the mantle and command them. Mm -hmm. If no one's interested, you can do it yourself as DM. Right. But I think it's fair to say that you as DM will play them stupider on purpose <laughs> or whatever. Right. 
Oh, I, yeah, I also, all wait, charge I also, in blindly, wait, 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 especially wait, wait. the mages. <laughs> hold, hold on there. Uh, I would say that not every player wants to engage with mass combat and army building at mm -hmm. the same level, or sometimes at all. That's just not what appeals to them in the game. Right. So I would just say it's it's up optional. to yeah it's it's an optional thing and it shouldn't be something that they feel obligated to do to give the party a better chance. Mm -hmm. So if you have a character who's like, I'm a spellcaster, I don't give a fuck about mass combat, they're not going to train their own units, but if yeah. mass combat comes out, comes up, they don't have to sit out. Another person's units can help turtle that person. Yeah, basically. So, Non-exclusive, of course. Yeah. So maybe your nation's armies are relegated to three of your six players. Yeah, because I, I could easily see a scenario in which it's like, I'm really into mass combat, and then someone else is really into mass combat and then four other people just don't care so much right um but if enough people don't care uh when do you make that decision that it's just not worth it to have mass combat well you figure out why they don't care um i mean there's there's combats in some games that people just don't care about and I think that's a fault of the game more than the actual combat itself or the mass combat in this instance. Because mm -hmm. if there's no incentive to give a shit, then something went wrong. Right. And I, I think some people are less interested. Yeah, I think there are. it's valid that there would be people that are less interested in like the war situation or like commanding armies of units. Right, yeah, because some people are just going to like the mechanics that they've been building this entire time. Like, say, you're, you know, you start as a party of intrepid adventurers, and you start at, like, level 1, and you get to, like, level 5 or 10 or something. Now you're a pretty good damn fighter, and you're, you know, what you're doing in most scenarios, uh, and then you're thrown into this mass combat. It's like, I can imagine that a fair demographic of players will just be like... Why do I have this learning curve suddenly? And I don't want to deal with that. Or even just they say, I don't want to. Mass combat does tend to be a bit lengthier. Yeah. Even I even in the system. Yeah, even in the system we're talking about, it would be probably a bit lengthier than regular combat. Mm -hmm. Um. Not, not, not like not as crazy. bad as the other mass combats we've had in the past, which is why I made these streamlined yeah. rules. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think what I would do is someone's just like fuck mass combat. I hate doing it. I don't want to be part of it for whatever reason. I think something you could do with those people is have them because they want they control their character right their character is the focus of their interaction with the world uh -huh. and those those people you can just have them go on what i would call special missions if it's a actual war scenario and that's what you have to deal with like hey you two plus that magic user go take out their magic item factory or something like that and that's mm -hmm. something an activity they can do and if it gets bad enough where like half the group's interested in mass combat, half is interested in the quote unquote subterfuge missions, you could even like split those into two separate mini sessions. Right. But 
then there's still that incentive. Everyone wants to have their power trip and a, a sole max level fighter on the battlefield with magic items is going to fucking power trip. So, and there's a lot of fun in that. You don't even have to control any units. You're just a dude on the field. And I, what I am saying is also kind of a hypothetical in that I, I feel like people have had reasonable fun in most of the mass combats I've seen or played. Yeah, like, some people grab the casters, some people grab the units, some people grab the, like, cavalry-type units with the mobility. <laughs> some people grab nothing, because they're like, my brain is full, leave me alone. <laughs> some people ride a triceratops through the hundreds of units and squish them. Some people ride a tricycle. And then the dragon breathes on them, sable. Uh, it's okay, the triceratops yeah, the can fly. The Triceratops Rider was a bit uh, tankier than Sable. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's a lot of wrong ways to do mass combat, though. It's very tricky. Let's go into that. Um, what are ma wrong ways to do mass combat? Anything that taxes the DM's CPU. <laughs> So, tracking units individually, overthinking every move is a big problem. Like, on the field, there's a lot of dumbasses that are going to do stupid things. Commanders are going to lose control of their forces, yada, yada, yada. Mm. I think on the DM side, it does need to be sped up. Yeah, because one of the things that I have kind of noticed is that sometimes uh, I've like introduced uh because i I've, I've not done a lot of mass combat in my campaigns but i've done a, some and i've kind of tried to come up with interesting ways to do it uh and uh i think one of the things that i did that worked most efficiently but also not very well was uh just rolling one die for like i i basically tracked each individual unit but I would roll one die, and that would be all of their attack rolls or all of their saving throws. I'd, I'd, I'd roll one die and give it to all of them no matter what they were doing. So the caster throws a fireball, all of them save or all of them fail. And, uh, yeah. you know, they're all like – I decide like, okay, there are, you know, 50 archers, and they're going to target the party. There's five of – five, you know – party members or something i'll say okay they'll this many will target the fighter because you know I'll, I'll have 20 target the fighter or something and and 10 target the mage or or, or whatever you know I'll, I'll split them up based on who seems to be doing the most damage and who needs to you know be taken down the most and then i roll except then that came up with some interesting hilarious scenarios like Oh, the uh, left one third of the army all critical fails and shoots themselves in the dick <laughs> Whoops! I might remove crit fails for that sort of mass combat. Yeah, but then I mean, what's? I guess for that sort of mass combat, but I like having critical hits and critical misses because uh, I think it adds an interesting dynamic, and uh, I think it makes it, you know, worth rolling the die every time because something interesting can happen whether you have a critical miss or a critical hit. 
Well, I know sometimes in the dungeon, the reason I respond to that the way I do is, like, even in normal combats where it's like, all right, there's 30 things attacking you, and I roll 30 d20s. I don't want to go in and figure out the special effects for every nat 1 and nat 20 and that blob of shit. And I think mass combat expedience keeps people focused better. Mm -hmm. Which increases engagement and fun. (laughs) Make sure everyone has something they can do. Yeah, I mean, nice grab, I guess. It that was impressively timed there, Chris. <laughs> that was a very Sorry. long reach. <laughs> All right. Um, so, any uh, any more thoughts on uh, ways to make large scale battles? Uh, just one. Good or bad. I don't think I've ever run a large-scale battle the same way twice. Uh-huh. It's not due to... It's just due to desire to experiment more than anything. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Never run the same battle twice, because then... Yeah. Make sure your campaign isn't set up in a way where you're basically just doing busy work. Hmm. Good way to look at it. All right. Or at least you can hire NPCs to do it for you or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with that, are we out of uh, are we out of this well, topic? I can keep going technically. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a deep topic. Topic. It is a deep topic. Yeah, because uh, we I, I feel like we've got the our general feelings about it out of the way. Uh, so if there is anything you want to deep you know, dive deeper into specifically, then I think that, uh, you know, we're all open for the conversation. So let's have it. So one of the more controversial mass combat rulings I have on my little spitball page here, it's called Mm -hmm. nudging along mass combat. If people are taking too long to issue commands to their own soldiers, the soldiers will just continue doing whatever they're last order to do or whatever they were doing before. So basically, mm. they act like soldiers who have lost contact with command. They don't just sit there with a thumb up their ass, but they'll just right. do And that's to help people nudge along. Of course, that can inspire grumpiness, but how would you handle that? Um, I think it depends on the situation, because I... Uh... Most of the time, I'm pretty liberal with the time I give my players. I'm like, you know, you, you have, you have, I'll just let you figure it out, right? But if it's like interrupting the session, uh, then I'll, I'll want to step in and, and, you know, somehow get that like to a point where it's not going to be quite so, you know, uh, it's not going to cause an interruption to other players or, or, or drop their immersion, you know, cause yeah. at a certain okay. point it's like, and I've, I've had that, my, that problem myself as a player, uh, in one campaign where I was playing a necromancer and some of the other players would get a little bored during my turn, uh, because you know, I'd go for me and I'd heal myself or I'd heal my zombie or I'd shoot a spell at a guy or I'd make a new zombie. And then I had like a team of like, you know, nine other zombie minions or whatever. And I'd be like, all right, I'm going to have these two, uh, you know, form up on me. And I'm going to have like, uh, you know, 
uh, readied actions so that if anything comes close, they're going to get in the way, they're going to hit it or, you know, different <laughs> things like that. I'm going to have the archer guys in the back that, that shoot somebody. I'm going to have the, this zombie does this, this zombie does that. And sometimes it would take a fair while because in order to play this character as effectively as I was, I had to think very tactically and, you know, it, it was also, it, it was partially mechanically and partially like a roleplay thing that it just kind of took a while to think of like, how was my character going to react? Because my character was kind of a selfish bastard that was literally just trying to protect himself every turn, but almost make it give the illusion that he's, you know, part of the team. Because he's, he's part of the team insofar as, you know, if he has more team members, then he's less likely to die. Uh, but, yeah. But at some point, it was like, you know, I, I could tell sometimes there were other players at the table that were just like, okay, man, get on with it, you know. And, it, and that wasn't even mass, yeah. mass combat. That's just my character happens to have 12 Turning minions. Turning small combat into mass combat. Yeah. I think if there's any time where you, like, basically stop in your thinking quietly, mm -hmm. I think those are times to be avoided and to basically be glossed over. Yeah. Like, if you find yourself saying, uh, 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 too much, you should essentially be nudged along. Yeah. So that people don't lose their engagement. Because mm -hmm. that was the biggest turnoff when I was playing my first D&D game. Like, I could literally play an entire game of League of Legends in between my turns. Because <laughs> people mm -hmm. are so slow. Yeah, I think that was a problem with some of the high level 3.5 games we had played at some point in the past. I think that was a problem, especially for me, because my turns were the ones that didn't take that long. Because uh, one of the things that uh, is kind of unfortunate about 3.5 is it sort of shoehorns melee characters into one correct action at that level. Like once you're 20th level... Or even before that, like like probably 10th level and beyond, the correct thing to do is always attack. Always full attack if possible. That is it. That is your turn. Every single time, no matter what. And I had that, you know, when we were getting into ridiculous epic levels, and I was, like, able to do a bit of cheese, but 90% of my cheese was in my character build rather than, you know, actually you know, playing it and figuring out what to do. It was just like, okay, I do this much damage because I have these feats stacked and I am doing some kind of cheese where I get a diving charge or something and uh, alternate rule here and house rule here and, and then I do a shitload of damage and I'd literally just like roll up my damage sometimes before my turn was even there and i'd say okay here are my attack rolls i have them written down just to you know expedite things uh these are my attack rolls which ones of them hit here are the damage numbers for each of them assuming they hit uh and then i'd like go over that with the dm and be like okay these ones I attack four, and then this target is dead, and then I move these attack rolls to the next target, and this target is dead. So my turns usually took, like, maybe a couple of minutes. And, you know, other people, like, we had some other casters in the party, and they were doing lots of ridiculous cheese, and that would sometimes take, you know, 20 and 30 minutes for a player. That's 
absurd. A turn should never take more than like five minutes. <laughs> Unless you're like dealing with a lot of shit. Well, to be fair, we were. Because <laughs> these were, you know, scenarios in which there was a ridiculous giant boss with literally millions of hit points, as well as mass combat things going on at the same time. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was like, that, Nick? Ruins an epic fight, like a 30-minute turn. <laughs> God. Because you're just doing nothing besides waiting for someone to do this crazy, cheesy thing they get from their build and not even from some ability or utility they have. Right. That's calculation and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean... The climax of Chris's game, you know, big boss, yada yada, but like all of the player characters' turns combined took like five minutes. Mm. Yeah, something like that. And it was still pretty damn epic, if I say so myself. So. Thank you. <clears throat> nice. My butt was firmly clenched. It's definitely a different play style. Um,. I think generally I like turns that go not as as slow as that, but I feel like there is some advantage to those kinds of turns because I feel like you can do more cheese, you can be more clever with your what you're doing, but at the same time, is it really worth it to do that? So it's it's it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You can do a lot of cheese in five minutes mm -hmm. if you know your cheese. <laughs> and you're not trying to, like, do a magic-style combo, which 3.5 kind of encouraged in the high-level mechanics with casters there. Yeah. Where it was, oh, I have to do this particular chain of things, which require each requires individual rolls, mm -hmm. which was a little over the top. I mean, I'd, I'd expect something like that to just take five minutes. Unless mm. you're, like, sitting there like, okay, we're fucked if this doesn't work. And then, you know, 10 to 20 minutes is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, with mass combat specifically, I think the hurry it up rule is more generally acceptable as long as you provide a fair warning. Yes. You're like, hey... You need to do something, or else, uh... A polite way is a timer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had groups that have used timers for stuff like that. <laughs> I'd be kinder on the first few while people were figuring out how they work, of course. Right, yeah. But... Like, I know when we were playing this board game, X and Allies Online, the first few times we played it, some people just took forever with their turns. Mm -hmm. But after a few games, you know, we actually finished an entire game of a board game that most people can't finish in less than a day. We finished it in less than a day, so. Mm -hmm. I feel like some board games I've played are like that. I, I can't remember what it was called, but I was playing one board game one time that was... Uh, had a lot of interstellar travel and like you you need to trade like different materials that are only Twilight Imperium. 
maybe it was years ago. I literally have no idea what it was even called, but you're like trading different materials that are only growable on this planet. And you have to go to this planet to trade them and stuff like that. And space Catan. a little, <laughs> but, um, I've never actually played Catan. That's, that's one of those games I meant to play one of these days, but yeah, it was like, we were all just trying to figure out what the hell we were doing and it, it, it took like forever. Like the entire night, I think we had like the whole table went around like one time in like four hours. We we're just like, what are we? And we're just like looking at the rules. Okay, so we can do this on our turn and this on our turn. And then it, this guy goes to space jail for some reason. <laughs> I don't even remember. all this. It's just like crazy. Just like all of the rules and all of the things you can do on your turn but you have to figure out what you can actually do because you need you know currency or fuel or whatever to get and then i look to do all these things and i'm like i'm gonna be too drunk to understand any of these rules in 15 minutes <laughs> let's play chess instead i'll drink to that uh, are we in a fi officially in the random bullshit part of the podcast um, yeah, unless there's any final thoughts anybody wants to stay on large-scale battles in tabletop systems that are not designed for it. I think mass combat has the capacity to be really cool. Really cool. Really? really yes, really cool. cool. Really cool. Yeah. yeah, such as dropping a statue of Christopher Walken, rolling down the hill, shouting, pie, 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 pie. And people's heads exploding as it rolls by. I just flew over them and opened up a portable hole full of alchemist fire. Yeah, both of those things seem like they would fit in the same scene, even though they were totally different campaigns. <laughs> a flying guy got swatted out of the air by an anti-magic ray. Yeah. Like it was, that was physical. That was one of the most fun things. That was one of the most fun devices. This will disable his magic slap. He just went flying. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, if something disabled my magic, my Triceratops could fly without magic one time per day. Interesting. It, it had like a, a leap ability or some something, but the way that it was mechanically implemented was it literally gave it a fly speed for one round. So, so it could leap and do a left hook in the air. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. It was, it was a weirdly worded ability. Anyways, we're officially in the random bullshit, so I guess we'll sign off. My name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. As always, you can find me. I'm the host of A Drink to the Past. <coughs> and this is my glorious co-host, Chris. Hi, I'm Chris. I always feel like somebody's watching me, Odette. Uh, you can find we're my... Totally watching him. You can find my published adventure, uh... House of Flowers on DriveThruRPG, and you can also find a system Nick and I co-wrote uh, called Five Cataclysms Core Rules Beta Edition. Beta meaning not not quite finished yet. Uh, and you can pick either of those up. Pay what you want on DriveThruRPG. And of course we have the glorious Nick, who mysteriously appeared mysteriously i'm neither glorious nor mysterious i was utterly predictable glorious <laughs> yeah if you've been joining the podcast for the last few weeks you'll know that nick just pops in to talk about tabletops yup <laughs>
Hi, I'm a theory crafter. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah. And, of course, our recurring guest, good old Crow. I think I've been here more than than anyone else, any other, like, special guest. So if people don't know who I am at this point, it'll be a shot. Yeah, you you put up with us more than... you, You have a high tolerance for whatever it is we are. I mean, for people who watch my group channel, the four players, they know what kind of stupid I have to put up with with my hey, other Yeah, go check out stuff. the four players. They're wonderful. The four players. We do the funnies sometimes. Mm-hmm. Some duck funnies? Yeah, so check them out on YouTube, and uh, you guys are on Twitch as well, maybe? Uh, yes, we don't have a four players Twitch channel. We just stream off of... Uh, mine and our other co-star Perseus, um, but we could probably do a, uh, a crossover stream between Drink to the Past and Four Players on my Twitch channel. Sounds like a fun time, yeah. Something to look forward to. And of course, you have your podcast now, so now we're uh, warring podcasts. Yeah, we got a we got a bunch of things in the works, so. There's some exciting things coming. Yeah. Like that, like that knife slice. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now for the rest of the podcast, are we just going to like make fun of Chris's inability to kill these people? I'm just here to kill teenagers, guys. They're running slightly <laughs> faster than you. You can't do it. I don't believe in you. There's one to the left. I love the additions of those. That, that was a very Damn nice it. thing. Damn him. There's no reason to stalk him. And of course, as always, you can catch Drink to the Past on YouTube, and then you'll understand what the fuck we're talking about. Uh, uh, But if you prefer the audio version for whatever reason, we are, of course, available on Podbean and Apple Podcasts as well. So uh, check us out there. And with that, we are officially in random bullshit territory. Chris has seemed to lost a teenager. I don't oh. think <laughs> he was healing someone. I don't think that Ash counts as a teenager. Ash is like in his forties or fifties. Yeah. I don't know all these characters. Uh, Ash Williams uh, from Evil Dead. Yeah. Ah. Neat. Shitting in the tall grass. What? She just warped. Yeah. She. Uh, right. She. She dead hearted. Yeah. That, that's it's an, an ability they have. It's a it's a short dash that gives you invincibility frames. Oh, okay. Thank you for actually explaining it, Crow. Yeah. I think it's making put, fun of me. Yep. I've got I've got more time in this game than I probably should. Speaking of, how much time do you have in this, Chris? About two hundred and fifty hours. Okay, so you and I are about on par. Okay. I think I'm like two eighty. I have more than that many days in Minecraft. Oh shit! I have in Minecraft a lot. I'm sorry. Did you say you played a lot? Yeah. I have a server you can play on if you want. It's not yeah. very big, <laughs> but it's old. Yeah, it's actually starred in a few of our adventures. What the? That was I guess incredibly bold. Yeah. It's just, just threatening. By the way, I love when every ghost face gets hit by a pallet because of all those he just like sighs. Yeah, just an exacerbated sigh. All <sighs> everyone else like 
grunts in pain or you know cries out or something. Just, uh, just, just inconvenienced. I like how you pronounced exacerbated with a T that it doesn't have. I didn't exacerbated, not exacerbated. It just just to make it sound a little bit more like masturbated. It's masturbated. It wasn't my intent, but that works. That's what she said. Masturbated. <laughs> this is like the fucking scene from Scary Movie. <laughs> Are you gonna stab her or I had, what? Yeah, I had, I had a. Uh, I close. At a round, I think last night, where I ran a Myers around a rock for like ten minutes. It was a singular rock, but he just couldn't quite get me. It was like you, you could have put the um, Yakety Sax theme to it. It was always usually hilarious and sad. Yeah, it's always a little nerve nail biting when that happens, but equally funny. The worst part about it was um, he ended up losing that match not because like we outplayed him. Uh, he gave up on me after a while and chased someone else and I don't know how they managed it, but they smacked him with a pallet and he got stuck inside the pallet so he couldn't move. <laughs> he couldn't break it, he couldn't grab anyone, he was just stuck. Hmm. So we got a free win. Nice. Grab the booty. Gotta get that booty. <laughs>